It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're part of it tonight. This is the Virtual Bible Study for November 1st, 2007. Thank you for being a part of it, and we hope you'll participate in the program tonight. The number to call is toll-free, 877-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you on the virtual Bible study tonight. We look forward to a good discussion. I think we've got a topic that's interesting. We're getting quite a bit of feedback already, and we'd like to get more. As you're listening, if you'd like to get in on the conversation, by all means, do so. Uh, we think that makes our program the best when we get more and more participation from our listeners. So plan to participate as you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. And we're going to talk about excuses on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We all have made them in the past, and we encounter them as we try to encourage other people to live for God. Excuses are made in defense of the way that we live when we're living a life that is disobedient to the Father. We want to talk about those on the program tonight, maybe some excuses that you've made, excuses that you have heard other people make. We want you to let us know those excuses tonight so we can talk about them and consider them with respect to what God's Word teaches. And this will be an interesting program tonight because instead of using an outline, we're going to use exclusively our listeners' feedback on this important discussion. Jacob, we, we sent out earlier today to our update list a couple of polling questions, and we've gotten a lot of feedback, still getting some, and we want others to send us your answers to this simple question. What do you think are the most frequent excuses offered by people as they try to justify their disobedience to God's commands? Give as many as you can. List them in order of significance. Also give a one-line response to each excuse. So basically, we're just asking you, what are the excuses that you've heard? Maybe, if we're honest, what are some of the excuses that we've tried to use ourselves when we're trying to justify? What's a com- what are the common excuses that humans make when they try to justify themselves for not doing what they know the Word of God says they should be doing? And uh, this discussion has benefit for us as we try to encourage other people, but hopefully it has benefit for us as well personally Hopefully that by discussing this will help to realize that the excuses that we may be using in our own lives or excuses we may be tempted to make simply don't work as we uh, consider our life in service to God. Yeah, excuses don't get the job done. And I hope that's what we can stress as we go through our study tonight. These excuses are all fallacious. They just don't work. They, they are unsuccessful in justifying ourselves in violation of God's law. Let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567. Call in now, 877-381-4567, or send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. What are some excuses you have made, you have heard other people make, and how do you react and respond to those excuses? Let us know your thoughts on the virtual Bible study tonight. Nick in Jennings, Florida, has emailed in his excuses that he has heard. 
One of the excuses that certainly we all have heard is that nobody is perfect. I live a life that is disobedient in certain areas, but I'm a pretty good guy. Nobody's perfect, and therefore it's okay. Basically, uh, Jacob, what that excuse does is try to justify yourself by comparing yourself to others. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect, but nobody is. And as you said, I'm a, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a decent fella. There's certainly a lot of people worse than I am. Uh, and so I feel sort of a, a sense of justification in that. I've made the point before that theoretically there's only one person in the world who couldn't point to someone else worse than him. There's theoretically one worst person in the world. But with the exception of that fella, everybody else could find someone who's doing worse than they are. Uh, and, and so that really doesn't prove anything. In fact, the scriptures tell us that if we try to compare ourselves to others, that we're not wise. Second Corinthians 10, verse 12, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's not a wise thing to do, and it doesn't get the job done. Certainly is not, and it wouldn't work in other areas of our life if we were constantly late to work and we told our boss, well, I'm not as late as someone else. Nobody's perfect. I'm not as late as uh, the guy working next to me. That wouldn't satisfy the boss, and certainly it won't satisfy God either. You know, really, Jacob, that that attitude and a lot of the excuses that we'll be talking about tonight, it really demonstrates a lack of true repentance. There's no there's no sorrow for sin in the fellow who says, well, I'm not perfect. You know, he's 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 not expressing any sorrow for his sin. He's certainly not repenting of his sin. And the indication is that he intends to continue in what he's doing. Jesus warned in Luke 13, three, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We we better get that lesson and learn it well. That just saying, well, nobody's perfect, and therefore I'm going to excuse myself to continue doing what I do, that's going to cause us to be lost. Second Thessalonians 1, verses 7 through 9 says, The Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Uh, we need to repent and use an excuse that nobody's perfect doesn't answer the 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 problem if it were true then it wouldn't make any difference because if nobody was acceptable to god then no one would be uh saved on the day of judgment and so it certainly is an excuse that doesn't work nick goes on and gives us another excuse and that's one certainly that we probably all have heard that is the excuse i do the best i can i'm making mistakes i'm not living as i should there are areas in my life that need improvement that i'm not addressing but I'm doing the best I can. What do you think about that excuse? I look to a passage that comes to mind immediately, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and that is if we're living a life that has sin in it that we are not addressing, then and we say that we're doing the best that we can, we simply are not telling the truth. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And so if there is sin in our life and we follow up after that sin and say, I'm doing the best I can, that simply is not true because God has made it a way of escape for every temptation we face. That's right. Furthermore, that that attitude indicates, you know, no desire to grow or improve. I'm doing the best I can. But it's not true. You, Everybody can do better. You know, I think a, a basic truism is I can do better. I think all of us can and should say that to ourselves and to the Lord always. 
I can do better. In fact, we're instructed to grow. Second Peter 3, verse 18 says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're commanded to grow. And the fellow who says, I'm doing the best I can, is saying, I'm not able to do any better. I can't do better. Well, yes, you can do better. Everybody can do better. We all can do better, and we should be striving to do that. Let us know your thoughts right now at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com as we talk about excuses and compare them with what God has said in his word. Jacob, we got an email from uh, Roger in uh, London, Kentucky. Roger, we're glad for your participation in the virtual Bible study, and he has sent in his top seven. He, he hits us with seven excuses, and I think they're certainly ones that we frequently hear. Number one, the Bible doesn't say not to. Uh, you know, we've heard those excuses plenty of times, people doing things that they want to do, doing things the way they want to do them, and they say, well, the Bible doesn't say not to. And Roger indicates faith is not based upon silence. Romans ten seventeen says faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You know, silence does not authorize. It doesn't in our common day-to-day activities, and it doesn't with God either. You know, we've used the illustration before. When you order something from a catalog, maybe you call in to place a catalog order, you don't have to tell them what not to send. You're only authorizing them to send the things that you told them to send. They would not be justified in sending you a bunch of stuff and saying, well, you didn't say not to. We would we would be absolutely angry with them if they sent us a whole truckload of stuff on the on the basis of the fact that we didn't say not to send it. Silence does not authorize. It doesn't authorize in our day to day activities, and it doesn't authorize from God. Silence in the scriptures, what the Bible does not say, is not authoritative. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview dot com. Certainly, the Bible doesn't say not to is not a good excuse. We must have authority for the things we we do. We've talked about that in the past. You can check out our archives to find out discussions on Bible authority and the need for it. But certainly, the excuse that the Bible doesn't say not to simply does not work. A second excuse that uh, that Roger uh, suggests is that honesty and sincerity is sufficient, that that's enough. As long as you're sincere or honest— and I think the, the the religious world in in this modern day is just overrun with people who ha- use that excuse that as long as I'm sincere, that's all that really matters. And Roger suggests the example of 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 the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, when he was persecuting the the church. Later in his life, he recounted that in Acts 26 verse 9. He said, "I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth." Uh, Acts 26 verse 9. When he was persecuting Christians, putting them in jail, he was doing what he thought that he ought to be doing. And and that certainly didn't justify him. So sincerity or honesty is not enough. Exactly right. Sincerity uh, doesn't do anything for us to make us right or wrong. We must have, We must be sincere, but that does not prove our correctness with God. And that is an excuse that simply does not work. Going on in Roger's list number three, he says, uh, he uses several expressions that are all sort of synonymous with one another. I don't think, I believe, it seems to me, I know in my heart. You know, in other words, the fellow just says, well, it, it seems to me that it ought to be so, or this is what I believe, this is what I think. Uh, and and he re- responds to that excuse with Jeremiah 10:23. Oh, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And, you know, uh, I think it's a good point. We try to point it out a lot. 
opinions, yours, mine, or anybody else's, don't matter when it comes to to our religious service to God. Everybody can have an opinion, but opinions don't prove anything. What you think, what I think, that's not the authority. Certainly, though, we hear the excuse all the time when we're having religious discussions. People begin to believe what they think will be pleasing to God, what they think is a good way to live. And uh, and so we hear that all the time, but it simply does not work. Uh, Jesus said in John twelve forty eight, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. There's the standard of authority. Exactly right. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Rogers also said that uh, that people use the excuse, it was good enough for my parents, so I can't condemn them. If I were to accept what you're saying, then I would be condemning my parents or my grandparents or someone that I love to hell. If it was good enough for them, it certainly is good enough for me. What do you say about that excuse? Well, well, Roger points out, to answer that, he would say, He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, uh, from Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. Uh, you know, Again, my parents, what they believe, what they do religiously is not the authority. And the fact that they've done it, for a long time doesn't prove it to be right. The fact they taught it to me doesn't mean it's correct. We've got to come to our own personal faith. And if our love and commitment to our parents is so great that it keeps us from doing what we know the Bible tells us we ought to be doing, then that would indicate a love for them greater than a love for the Lord. And the Lord says we're not worthy of him if 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 we have that feeling. Well, and we also can look at the rich man and the story of the rich man and Lazarus to find out that if our parents or someone that we love it was not right with God when they died. They certainly would not want us to follow the same path. The rich man in that story, he wanted his brothers to change their lives and make correction in their lives so they could be pleasing to God so that they could uh, not have to go to the same place that he was. And certainly if our loved ones are in a place of torment now because they were not pleasing to God, they wouldn't want us to follow that same path. That's right. Uh, You know, uh, if, if I use the excuse, well, if I if I do this, if I make this change, or if I if I follow that instead of what I've been doing, I'd be condemning my dear old grandmother, who was such a great person. She she lived this way all her life, and if I changed, if I did something different, I'd be condemning her. Well, actually, no, you wouldn't be condemning her. And the fact of the matter, as you said, Jacob, is that if she could speak to you from beyond the grave, she'd be telling you, by all means, make that change and so forth. We're going to take a break. Let us know the excuses that you've heard. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in a study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. 
I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the program tonight. We want your participation at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Join in on the discussion tonight as we talk about excuses that people make when they're not living as they should. And what we're doing, as you said, Jay, we're doing a little something that we we don't always do, and that is we're simply going with the email responses. We're getting to the to this question. That's that way. If the program doesn't sound good, it's, it's not, not our, our fault. fault. That's, that's, that's a good excuse, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there you go. We got a, we got a built-in excuse. But the question we ask is, what do you think are the most frequent excuses offered by people as they try to justify their disobedience to God's commands? We were, we've been covering an email here sent by our friend Roger in London, Kentucky, and he says uh, his fifth excuse that he's heard, God knows my heart. Well, he says to that, he says, amen, he does know your heart. And he can tell your heart by the way that you're living. Yeah. And, and, so, and, and so if you're not following him, God knows your heart. Proverbs 23, verse 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. First John chapter 4, verse 20, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Uh, so, you know, God knows our heart. That's true. So what? That doesn't prove that your heart is right or that you're doing the right thing. No, basically this is sort of the idea that God knows my heart. He knows that I want to do right. He knows that I'm sincere. And we already, we already commented on the sincerity argument, but, uh, certainly that doesn't get the job done. And then Roger also, Jacob, he mentioned a couple of, we've already talked about nobody's perfect and I'm really not such a bad person. Uh, again, Common excuses that that are offered. 877-381-4567. That line is open. Jump in on the phone now or send us your email to questions at collegeview.com. Jason in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, sends his email down here to us and says one of the excuses that he hears quite often is, well, that's just your interpretation. I read the verse a different way. Certainly we hear that a lot from people who are not lining up with what the Bible teaches about the maybe their practices of worship, their practices as a congregation, or maybe their practices on their personal on the personal level in their personal lives, they'll say, "Well, that's your interpretation. I don't read the Bible the same way as you do, and so I'm going to live in a way that doesn't line up with what the Bible teaches and say that it's my interpretation that well, gives me the authority." What it implies is that the the Bible is is subject to a wide variety of interpretations and any of them is as good as the next. You know, Jacob, we talked recently about the idea of absolute truth, uh, that the scriptures convey absolute truth. And you know, in regards to truth, things that are truth and error, there is only one right way. There is only one right answer. When it comes to religious questions in our service to God, there's only one right answer. The Bible is not subject to multiple interpretations and we need to understand that. Now, we may differ. We may we may certainly interpret things differently. But the old argument that's often been made is if, if two people reading the Bible come to different conclusions about the same subject, then the possibility is one of them is wrong or the other one is wrong or both of them are wrong, but both cannot be right. Uh, in in this regard, First Peter chapter or Second Peter chapter one verse twenty tells us this important fact about prophetic scriptures. Knowing that knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, 
and I believe that would would be uh, applicable to scriptures in general, Dad. There is no private interpretation. It's not what it means to you, and it means something different to me. There is one way to interpret scripture, and that's what we all need to be striving for. If when you go when you go to the store and you go up to the checkout to pay, and you give the checkout gal a twenty dollar bill, and she gives you back change, but but you're shorted about five dollars. And you say, you know, you didn't give me the correct change. You know, you owe me, you still owe me five dollars. You say, well, that's just your interpretation. That's just what you see. I don't see it that way. Well, that wouldn't last at all. I mean, we we wouldn't be satisfied with that kind of a situation. But God has to like it. Yeah, but we're God's supposed to be satisfied with that. Yep. All right. Uh, Jason also says that one excuse that he hears <clears throat> is this is the way our church has always done it. Yes, we may not have authority for it, but this is the way the church has always done it. Jason answers that excuse by saying a lot of people use this excuse thinking that if a church has already always done it a certain way for a long period of time, that it is okay to do. But if it is a tradition contrary to what the scriptures teach, Jesus in Mark 7, 6 through 13 teaches that it is worthless to do and actually disobeys the word of God. And certainly appreciate Jason's comments on that excuse. But it is an excuse that is very common People justify all kinds of wild religious activities by saying this is the way that we've always done it, so it must be okay. Let's read that text that he references in Mark chapter 7, verse 6, beginning. Jesus answered and said unto them, Well said Isaiah the prophet uh, of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men. Uh, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things ye do. And he said to them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own traditions. And so uh, Jesus condemned them for that very thing, saying, We do it this way because it's the way we've always done it, and therefore we feel like it authorizes us to do this because this is a practice of long standing. Jesus said, absolutely not. Certainly not. It certainly does not justify religious error just because a, a religious organization has always done it that way. And finally, Jason says, another excuse that he hears is, I know my God, and he wouldn't expect that of me. Jason says that he hears people saying, God surely would not expect that type of obedience from me. That's too extreme, or that would make me unhappy. Therefore, God simply would not expect that. Jesus says, when I, or Jason says, when I hear this excuse, I just think to myself, do we have the same God? This excuse most of the time just shows a total ignorance of what the scriptures actually teach on a subject. Sometimes because of lack of study, some Christians just do not know the Lord like they should. And I guess that I'd also add to this that uh, some Christians or some people who claim to be Christians just don't want to submit like they should and therefore determine that God really wouldn't expect that type of obedience from them. Uh, Jason goes on to make a couple summary comments. He says, sometimes we can make excuses because if we really follow the Lord, it can be inconvenient to us, such as in areas of divorce and remarriage, church discipline, benevolence, etc. It just seems easier to follow Jesus at a distance doing our own thing. The truth is that all of human excuse, all of the human excuses that we can come up with will not hold up before the judgment seat of Christ when we will be judged by the word that we are making excuses not to follow, John twelve forty eight. Even when Moses tried to make excuses to God why he should choose someone else to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, we see that the Lord got his way, Exodus 3. 
We must all remember what Jesus says in Matthew 16, beginning verse 24. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. Those who make human excuses really need to get take a hard look at this verse. Excuses are focused on me and not on following Jesus. Jason, we appreciate those comments uh, very much. Thank you, Jason, for your participation on the program tonight. You can join in on the discussion by dialing 877-381-4567 or by emailing questions at collegeview.com. Stacy in Richmond, Virginia, has a couple of excuses. One of those is that people give the excuse that they just didn't feel well. Maybe they do not attend worship services like they should. Maybe they don't do other activities that they know God would require of them. And they use the excuse, well, I just didn't feel well. I'm glad, I'm glad that Stacy sent that one in because I hear that one a lot too. And and uh, now now first of all, let's 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 explain. People who are legitimately sick, then God understands that, and He does not hold them accountable for for not being able to do what they can't do when they are sick. I mean, we know that there are people who are legitimately sick. We've got a brother in Christ here from the local congregation who's in the ICU tonight near death. God doesn't expect him to visit the fatherless and widows tonight. He, and he doesn't expect him to come to church services either. Uh, uh, and the Lord knows his condition and is not holding him accountable for what he's not able to do. But this excuse that I think Stacy is referencing has to do with the kind of situation that's all too often common among Christians. I'm not, I'm too sick to come to Wednesday night Bible study, for instance. I'm just not feeling well. Now, I worked today on Wednesday and I'm going to go back to work tomorrow morning, but I'm too sick tonight to be at services. You know, too sick to come to services, but not too sick to do anything else I want to do. Now, I'm not too sick to go to the ball game. I'm not too sick to go shopping. I'm not too sick to do anything else that I might like to do, but I'm too sick to go to services. And I'm weary of that excuse. I think that is way overused. And, and I think, you know, if we can see, you know, the, the thing of it is, if we can see through that, surely the Lord sees through it too the lord knows everything perfectly and we're not pulling the wool over his eyes here's another excuse that stacy references that uh some people use they use their work or their personal life as an excuse and they say i'm just really busy right now i know i should be doing things for the lord but i'm just too busy yeah uh, and again that's way overused too who ever said that your work your schedule is a justification for not doing what god expects you to be doing you know, anybody who's that busy needs to change something. Anybody who's too busy to do what they know they ought to be doing in service to the Lord needs to change something in their life. Even to the even to the radical extent, if it would come to that, change jobs. If your job has got you too busy so that you can't come to church services, can't study your Bible, can't pray, can't reach out to lost people. If you are that busy, so busy that you can't do your duty religiously in service to God, then I would say that would indicate that you need to seriously think about changing your job or, or or altering your schedule in some way. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 29, If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Jesus was not teaching there, you know, physical mutilation. 
he was just using uh, uh, a figure of speech to emphasize that what we ought to do, anything that is preventing us from doing our duty to God, get rid of it. Do away with it. And that could be your job. It could be your recreational activities. It could be your hobby. It could be your sports. If those things are keeping you so busy that you can't serve God, by all means, get rid of them. Well, you know, if we read on in Matthew chapter 6 where you were reading there, Dad, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Talking about physical necessities, we're told that we should serve God first even before considering our own physical necessities, that God will provide for those things. Yet, not only do we fail to do that, we won't put our physical luxuries ahead of serving God, or uh, behind serving God. We won't neglect certain physical luxuries, like working extra for the vacation, or working extra for the newer car, or the nicer homes. We will not sacrifice those things to serve God, let alone the physical necessities that God has promised to provide for if we'll put him first. We need to think about our sacrifice and our dedication to God. And certainly the excuse that I'm too busy simply will not work. Let us know your thoughts. We want to hear from you as we go through this break. Take this time to send in your questions or your comments about this important discussion or about any Bible topic tonight. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great. I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. Hi, I'm Kent Bumgarner. And I'm Mindy. And we're from Jackson, Tennessee. And we love to listen to the virtual Bible study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the virtual Bible study tonight. We want your questions or comments. No excuses tonight. Join in on the discussion as we talk about excuses people make to defend their failure to serve God as they should. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Yeah, we'd be glad to. We've got a lot of response to this question tonight. I think people understand that this is a really common human problem of excuse making. Our good friend Phil up in uh, Indiana, Newcastle, Indiana, has written, and he, he lists these excuses. Number one excuse, I don't agree that what I'm doing is wrong, that what I'm doing is disobedience. And Phil comments, he says, we need to be careful just because we don't think something is wrong is not assurance that it is right. Proverbs 14, verse 12 there. I think that's the one that says there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are are the ways of destruction. Uh, Be a truth seeker, Phil goes on to say, who welcomes examination with a desire for truth. Second Corinthians 13, 5. Acts 17, verse 11, Acts 17, verse 11, of course, is the noble Bereans who searched the scriptures to see if the things they were being taught were true. So, you know, in other words, you don't think it's 
what you're doing is wrong? Well, you better be sure. Check it out. If you have a, a truth seeker's heart, you won't. You will not be adverse to investigating it and being challenged and and even defending yourself to prove that what you're saying is right. Second Corinthians thirteen five that Phil references says, "Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Christ, Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates." And so the encouragement there is to prove yourself. He goes, his second one, Jacob, was looking at some comments from Phil in Indiana. He says, why are you condemning me? I could tell you about other people and some who you might think are very righteous who are as bad or worse than me. Now, this goes along the lines of some others that we've read already tonight, Jacob, and that's the idea of I'm, I'm not so bad. There are other people worse than I am. Uh, and Phil says, don't let your obedience to the Lord be influenced by the presumed obedience or disobedience of others. And I think that's a good point. In other words, what others are doing is not the ter- determinant of whether or not I'm in the right relationship with God or not. I could find people. I, I you know, I, as we said earlier, it would not be hard for most of us to find plenty of people who are worse than we are. But that certainly wouldn't prove that we're right just because there's others worse than we are. So I think Phil is right there. Number three says, what's the use? I'm going to hell anyway. You know, that's a sad one right there, Jacob. And I've heard people say that, you know, I, I guess I, I guess I'll just die and go to hell. Um, I'm convinced that people who say that do not really understand what the Bible teaches about hell. Nobody would say that. Nobody would willingly acknowledge that they're just going to go to hell and not do anything about it. Certainly not. That's very uh, discouraging and disappointing when someone would say that certainly as phil says here that they need to read and study the passages that talk about hell and that certainly would be good admonition you know and you you referenced earlier jacob luke 16 the story of the rich man and lazarus rich man went to hades he went to torment in hades awaiting the final judgment but his agony was so bad there that the that what he desired for relief was just a single drip of water on his tongue can you imagine being in such intense agony that what you hope for would be a single drop of water on your tongue. That's how bad it is and will be. And and anybody who says, I'm just going to die and go to hell, does not really believe what the Bible is teaching about hell. And then, I think this is a good one that I've heard, and that is, God wants me to be happy. God wants me to be happy. I would agree with that statement, that God wants me to be happy. Certainly God doesn't want me to be happy, doesn't want me to be miserable, my response to that, though, is who am I to determine what will make me happy and truly make me happy? God, who designed me, knows best what is, what is best for me and what will ensure my eternal happiness. And that is not following my will, but following his. That's right. You know, think about some of the faithful people of God who suffered horrible things. Think of some of the prophets of the Old Testament who suffered greatly as they as they were faithful to God. Think about Christians of the New Testament era who suffered intense persecutions because they wanted to be right with God. Uh, Think of the ultimate example of Jesus himself who died an agonizing death on the cross of Calvary. You know, sometimes doing the right thing brings hardship uh, because there's evil in the world. But God has plan things for our eternal well-being. That's that's the key. I mean, the here and now is not all there is. And anybody who views the here and now as, as the end of all things is simply not seeing it from the right perspective. I do believe, although I would, I would add that I think God's laws, when we properly apply them, are 
designed for our well-being. And if we live by them, we'll have the best chance of a meaningfully meaningful and fulfilling life here and now. Um, you know, an example, you know, the Bible teaches us not to drink intoxicating alcohol. Well, why would that rule be there? Because God knows that that's in my best interest. I'm not going to bring any happiness into my life by by drinking alcohol, and I'm only opening myself up to incredible hardship and and heartache. First um, Peter or First Timothy four verse eight says, "Bodily exercise profit a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come." <clears throat> I think God does want us to have the best possible life, and living by His rules is the best way to get there. All right. Thank you, Phil, for your your comments tonight and for your input on the virtual Bible study. Jim in Somerset, Kentucky, has submitted his excuses, and he has excuses in two categories, those who are religious and those who have no religious affiliation. For those who are unaffiliated with any religious organization, Jim has heard uh, the following excuses, the first being, I am a good person. And I'll be okay with God because I'm a good person. How about the that excuse? How would you answer? Well, he goes on to answer Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 could have said that, but he was not complete and he was not saved. He still had to obey God. All right. And this unaffiliated person who is not affiliated with any religious organization might also make this excuse that Jim has heard. And we've talked about this one already. If I do this, I condemn my family. Jim's answer is that it's not true. Our actions cannot change anything for our families. Further, if they are wrong, they won't be disappointed if I make it right. And so good observations about that excuse. He offers this excuse. There are hypocrites in the church. That's that's one we haven't talked about, but I do think that's a common excuse people make. I'm not going to go to church. There's hypocrites in the church. Now, I'll go to the ball game, and and there'll be perhaps hundreds and thousands of hypocrites at the ball game, but they won't keep me from going to the ball game. You know, I'll do everything else without any regard for the fact that there may be hypocrites present. Why would we let hypocrites keep us from doing the right thing for God? Uh, Jim comments, there are hypocrites everywhere. Why don't we show them how to teach and live right, teach it and live right? And I, I think that's a, a really good point. Someone made an observation. I, it just sort of a play on words I heard a long time ago. Somebody says, if you let a hypocrite come between you and God, then the hypocrite's closer to God than you are. And that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. All right, Jim goes on, and uh, this person who is not religious might say, that might use the excuse that they have time. I have plenty of time. Some people who are religious and not living as they should say they don't have enough time. People who are not religious and not living as they should may use the excuse that Jim mentions here, that they have plenty of time, that there's no reason to rush, that they'll serve God at a later time. How about that excuse? Well, of course... Nobody knows how much time they've got. James chapter 4 warns about the brevity of life and that it's quickly snuffed out. He says, uh, what is your life? James 4.14, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We don't have any guarantees or certainties that we'll have more time. And anybody who uses the excuse, I got plenty of time and I can wait and I can postpone, do this later is making a, a big mistake. Um, there, well, there's there's probably plenty of good. I was trying to think of one of the Proverbs that ought to come to my mind, and I can't think off, off the top of my head. Uh, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth, is is the quote. I can't, 
I can't think of the reference, Jake. Yeah, there it is. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Jim references in, in respect to that excuse, Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, where we read, Behold, uh, now is the day of salvation. Uh, now is the accepted time. And so Jim would encourage those who make that excuse to realize that now is the time to get right with God. Um, he also has an excuse here from those who are not affiliated with any religious organization that they believe in evolution and that uh, they don't believe God exists. They believe in evolution. Jim says, he says, prove it. I can prove that God exists, but we're still waiting for the Darwinian evolutionists to show us the gap species of monkey men who will link us to our evolutionary ancestors. So what Jim's saying there is the non-religious people may use the excuse, I don't even believe in God. You know, I don't believe in God. I believe we're here by virtue of evolution. And the answer to them is, well, you can't prove that. We believe we can prove God. We believe this is not just a feeling. We believe we have evidence that we can produce that would argue for the existence of God. The evolutionists cannot produce the conclusive evidence that the theory of evolution is true. And so stop using the excuse that you don't believe in God. God is real. You better obey him. Jim goes on and lists excuses that people who are religious but in religious error use. And we've talked about some of these. Uh, The first excuse he mentions is that's just your interpretation. And we've talked about that. Jim says we don't have to we don't get our uh, we don't get to have our own interpretation. God meant what he said. Let's find out what he meant. He also says uh, that uh, people use morality and say there are good people in my church, and therefore this error is justified because there are good people in my church. That's interesting. What about that one? Well, uh, again, that's that's using humans as the, the ultimate authority when, in fact, God's word is the, the authority, John 12, verse 48. It doesn't work. It just won't work. James, uh, Jim, Jim says uh, different. We're all going different roads that lead to the same place. No, he says if we're transgressing, the road may not lead where we think it does. Uh, and in Second John, verse nine, he references Second John, verse nine, where we read, "Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son." So we simply can't take a different road. We've got to take the road that God has presented to us. And then I like his final comment here. This is a good one, Jim. We appreciate this one. He says, God is big enough to fit in all religions. Jim says, my living room is big enough for my truck, but that's not where I park it. Just because something sounds good doesn't make it true. I think that's exactly right. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for your comment. Jim's got a really big living room or a bit really small truck. I don't <laughs> yeah. know which. All right. Thank you, Jim, for your participation tonight. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Anthony in Columbia, Tennessee, joins in on the discussion tonight and says, surely one of the most popular excuses is, God's just interested in our hearts as long as we're doing something sincerely and in the right spirit. And the how or the letter doesn't matter. Interesting uh, observation that uh, that Anthony makes there. We've mentioned that uh, somewhat on the program already tonight that it does matter what we're doing. And if we're not living as we should, if we're not following the letter or not doing things with the right how, that shows us that our heart is not in the right condition. So God is interested in our heart, and if we're not being obedient to him, that shows him that our heart is not in the right place. We wouldn't allow that kind of uh, – we wouldn't allow our doctor or our pharmacist to use that, that excuse. Well, you know, 
I'm certainly I'm sincere about trying to make you well. I'm sincere about trying to fill this prescription accurately. No, we want it done accurately. We're not interested in just a, a you know a, a, a good heart. Uh, Anthony says this is used to justify all kinds of apostasy. It pretty much accounts for all to the denominations. And this use of spirit versus letter is completely unscriptural. These terms are never used this way in the Bible. Of course, there are numerous biblical examples of where the how is very important. Cain versus Abel sacrifice, Nadab and Abihu. Not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter to the kingdom of heaven, and so on and so on from Matthew 7, verse 21. Yeah, excellent comments, Anthony. Thank you for your participation tonight. Um, let's go to our friend Jim in Tullahoma, Tennessee, who sends in a, a response and we've kind of we've kind of touched on this already, but it, it it is certainly a common one. Someone says, "I'm only human," or "We all sin." Uh, basically, that excuse that Jim suggests there um, is the idea that everybody does it, everybody's doing it. Well, first of all, that's not a new excuse. Uh, in fact, it dates all the way back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three, when God called Adam to account. His first response was, Genesis 3, verse 12, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Think about this. Adam is the only person who could accurately have said everybody's doing it because everybody else in the whole world was doing what he had done at that time. And God said, well, all right, that's fine by me then if everybody's doing it. Yeah, that didn't work, did it? Uh, uh, Aaron, when... uh, he had built the golden calf, and the people were worshiping him. When Moses came down from the mountain in Exodus thirty-two twenty-two, Aaron said to Moses, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. Aaron was basically excusing himself by saying, Well, everybody's involved, but it didn't justify him. Uh, Samuel did the same when he came back disobedient in the matter of the Amalekites and when he brought back spoil from the battle with the Amalekites. That would be Saul, not Samuel. Oh, I'm sorry, That Saul. is found in Samuel. First Samuel Saul. 15. First Samuel 15. Uh, so it's not a new excuse, this idea everybody's doing it, as Jim suggests in his email. That's not a new excuse, uh, and it's not even true. Uh, you know, in, uh, we could look at the case of Noah in Genesis chapter 6. The world was wicked, but there were still righteous people in the world, even in the days of Noah. And it doesn't justify. Probably a real good verse here uh, to all the people who use the excuse, everybody else is doing it. Uh, Exodus 23, verse 2, thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. So that doesn't work with God. Just saying everybody's doing it. We're all human. We all sin, that sort of thing that Jim mentions. And then he also mentions God didn't tell us not to do this. We already talked about silence. Silence doesn't justify. And also he mentions the excuse of ignorance. I just didn't know better. How would you answer that? And I that? don't want to know better. Some people yeah. believe if they have, if they're ignorant, it doesn't, it won't make them responsible. Uh, I, I'm doing this. It may not be acceptable to God, but if I don't read my Bible and if I don't find out that it's not acceptable to him, then maybe I won't be held accountable. Acts 17, verse 30, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Ignorance is no excuse. One more break, and we're going to the top of the hour. Join in on the program now, toll free at 877-381-4567, or questions at collegeview.com. We're waiting to hear from you. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi. My name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College of View Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? 
generally people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say God says we must do this or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with the members of the church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. Hello, my name is Preston Jackson. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday night. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back. Thank you again for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study. Remember, this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, collegeview.com. Jacob, we also should mention before we run out of time that next week, beginning Sunday actually, and throughout next week through the following Friday evening, Sunday through Friday, we're going to be having a gospel meeting here at the College View Church. We hope everybody in the Middle Tennessee area, anybody or North Alabama, anybody within driving distance will try to come and join us during this gospel meeting. We'll meet at our regular time Sunday morning, but Sunday afternoon we're going to have a period of singing at 2.30 and then preaching at 3 o'clock. Nestor Sanchez, a gospel preacher from Chile in South America that we support in his preaching work down there, is going to be here. He's going to be speaking to us on Sunday and reporting some about the work he does in South America uh, we, we've had Nestor here before. We really uh, love Nestor and appreciate his work, and we're looking forward to seeing him on Sunday. And then throughout the week, we're going to have various gospel preachers uh, from this area speak to us one each night. On Monday night, uh, Jeff Smith from Athens, Alabama. On Tuesday night, Jeff May, from also from the Athens, uh, uh, Alabama area, is going to be here. Wednesday night, Brother Doris Rader from here in Columbia will speak to us. Thursday night is going to be Rick Duggan from uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Friday night is going to be Alan Dvorak from Huntsville, Alabama. So we got a good lineup of preachers. And Jacob, when I when they asked me what they want, what we wanted to preach about, I said, "Bring your best sermon." So it ought to be really good. Uh, it'll be a great week. So come and be part of that week next week if you can make it to the Columbia, Tennessee area. And be sure to join us Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. You can be live in the audience for that program if you'll come to the meeting on Thursday night or listen to it in front of the live audience next Thursday night as we'll have an open discussion. Dad is in the works for next week. Any Bible question or comment will be fair game next and, week. And, again, those those uh, meeting times on Monday through Friday will be at 7 o'clock. And like you said, Jacob, the virtual Bible study will begin immediately at the close of services at 8 o'clock then on Thursday night. All right. We're talking about excuses on the program tonight. Let us know. We still have time to take your comments at 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. We have a lengthy email from a tag team of listeners tonight. Jim and Sue in Mount Pleasant have combined their efforts to give us 16 excuses. Excellent uh, participation from Jim and Sue tonight. Wow. You know, I, I thought we might assemble a top 10. Jim has assembled a top 16 excuses. 
I gotta, I gotta believe that Jim is really being bombarded with excuses that he can write 16 that he's been hearing a lot of. That or he's real good at them. I don't. Or know. he's been at it a while. He's been in that business for a while, okay. and they've and people have been throwing these excuses at him. I appreciate Jim and Sue for sending us these answers. Let's just run through these real quickly. We've talked about some of them already. Everybody else is doing it. Why are you picking on me again? That doesn't prove anything. Don't follow a multitude to do evil. Moses told the children of Israel. Number two, God is not so nitpicky that he is concerned about one little sin. Well, you'd have to tell God that in, in the Old Testament. Certainly he was. He struck people dead for one little sin. They'd have an abayu, one sin. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira in the new, in the Acts chapter 5, one sin. The guy uh, with the ark. Um, Uzzah reached up and touched the ark. I mean, the Bible is full of examples of people who were punished for one sin. So, you know, that you may say that. It doesn't prove it's true that God's not concerned about one sin. Number three, you don't have a right to judge me. God knows my heart. I'm doing the best I can, and God knows it even if you don't. We've kind of touched on that already. And that also opens up that, that subject of is it right to judge people? Well, Jesus said, John 7, verse 24, judge righteous judgment. So sometimes we have to make those judgments. All right. Uh, Jim has also said that times change. Besides, it's not as bad as it once was. Uh, that is, uh, certain things weren't acceptable at different times. Now our society is more tolerant, more open-minded, and therefore fornication, homosexuality, these types of things are okay. That certainly is not the case. Well, that that just, that again, argues about human standards and not divine standards. That doesn't prove anything. Number five, he says, the New Testament writers, like Paul, were obviously prejudiced against certain things like homosexuality. Um, The Bible was written by men who were prudes or even by the Catholic Church who just wants to control people's lives. Well, you know, if you're going to use that argument, then just throw your Bible away and and go do something else. Because, you know, if if you're going to argue that Paul was, you know, that he, that he had some prejudice against homosexuals. That's why he wrote the way he wrote or that he was a male chauvinist. And that's why he wrote the things he said about women and so forth. Then just throw the Bible away because you, you, you've destroyed any legitimacy and you can't. How, how would you be able to determine what's what's to be followed and what's not to be followed? Exactly. Jim says an excuse that he's heard is if God wants me to stop, he can tell me in person. And I've got news for this person who makes that excuse. He will tell you in person, but it'll be too late then. That's right. Uh, God's not revealing himself in miraculous ways today, and he's not giving additional revelation. He's told us everything that we need to know. Second Peter 1 verse 3 says that he has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It's there. You don't have to wait for him to tell you more. Jim says another excuse is if I was born this way and I can't help myself. Well, the Bible says you can. You already referenced, Jacob, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will, with the temptation, make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. That doesn't work. All right, another excuse. Maybe before you start condemning others, you should look at your own life. And certainly that is the case. That is a true statement. But just because there may be sin in someone else's life doesn't justify sin in my life. And that's not a good excuse. You know, the Bible tells us to reprove and rebuke. Uh, for, for instance, when Paul told Timothy in, uh, to do the work of an evangelist in, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. He didn't tell Timothy. Now, Timothy, you've got to be perfect before you can do that. You've got to be absolutely sinless or you won't be able to do that. 
obviously we're to we're to try to correct one another and we're human we're going to we're going to have issues that we're personally dealing with that doesn't keep us from reaching out to others uh, to teach them what they ought to be doing all right so we're through jim's list now on to sue's she says the excuse that she's heard is we're all sinners we've talked about that one that doesn't justify it that everyone is a sinner that doesn't justify you living a way that you shouldn't live and here is an ironic excuse that people make and it uh it, it simply doesn't it can't work the excuse is, as soon as I get my life right, I'll stop. Well, that's uh, you'll never get your life right until you stop. Number 11, God wants me to be happy. We talked about that already. That's not a legitimate excuse. Number 12, God loves me as I am. And that's so, a true statement, but he true. wants you to change. Yeah, that's right. He now expects all men everywhere to repent, Acts 17, verse 30. Uh, God, uh, or maybe you have a legalistic view of God, and he is not as concerned about it as you are. The only, th- only way we know the mind of God is that he's revealed it to us. Second Corinthians chapter uh, 2, or chapter 12, rather, uh, teaches that. And so, you know, all we can know about the mind of God is what he's chosen to reveal to us. If I obey the gospel, that will be condemning my parents and grandparents. We've talked about that one. God expects me to take care of my family. Then she says, that's an excuse why some work on the first day of the week instead of worship. Exalt one command over another. Certainly God will provide if we'll put him first. And number 16 on the list, the Bible is too hard to understand, and I can't know what God really wants me to do. That simply is not the case. In fact, uh, Ephesians 5:17 commands us to understand. And so since we're commanded to understand, we can understand. And they conclude the email to, 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 to us tonight by this account. One young man told me one time that he and God had a, quote, arrangement. He didn't worship God, and God didn't bother him. When I asked him what was what he was going to do at judgment, he told me he'd worry about that when it the time came. <laughs> wow! All right. We, uh, real quick, we're getting an email. We got we got one from Jack in East Tennessee who says one uh, one excuse I gave as a young man: I want to know all there is about being a Christian before I obey uh, the gospel. I see too many so-called Christians who live a bad example, and I don't want to be like that when I become a Christian. I'm just going to have to wait to respond to the gospel. Answer, he says, God does not expect us to know everything about being a Christian before we become a Christian. He expects us to hear Romans ten seventeen, believe Mark sixteen sixteen, uh, repent Acts seventeen thirty, confess Romans ten ten, be baptized Acts two thirty eight, and remain faithful Revelation two ten. I think Jack's right. We we don't have to know everything before that we become a Christian. We have to know certain fundamentals, but we keep growing after we become Christians. Thank you for your participation, Jack. Don in Nashville has some excuses. We're running out of time. We'll go through them quickly. We're all sinners. We've talked about that. No one is perfect. We'll talk about that. He says an excuse that people use is God understands. Uh, God understands that you can live right, and God expects you to live right. One excuse is that I go to church every Sunday, and God knows I'm trying. And God knows that you can live as he has instructed you. He's made it possible. And an excuse that people often make is we only live once, and that is absolutely true. And after this, the judgment, we must be living as God would have us to live. That excuse simply will not work. We've always done it that way. Again, traditions do not make things right. I don't think that God will send me to hell for that. Well, what has he said in his word? It doesn't matter what you think. I can't help it. God made me this way. God did not make us this way where we could not serve him. He made it possible for us to serve him. Uh, God made me this way, and there's nothing wrong with it. Homosexuals say that, uh, Don says. And the excuse, we're only human. That simply does not justify things. Uh, And the excuse, I know I mess up every now and then, but I'm still saved. The once saved, always saved attitude. Again, many in the religious world would have that attitude that I mess up every now and then, but it doesn't matter. It simply is not acceptable. 
and uh, I'm off in my sin, and God will put me out of it when he's ready. Um, and that's the poor, the, he says that's a poor excuse for a predestination believer, uh, and not someone trying to conform to the image of God. Um, we all make bad choices now and then. All right. right. A lot of good ones from Don there. I think I've heard all of those, and I think Don's right. Got a long email and a good one from Carolyn in Hot Springs, and when, and we're just out of time real quickly. She talks about, I can't assemble on Wednesday evening because I get home too late from work and would only have 30 minutes to relax before having to leave to go to Bible study. She says, try re- relaxing in an assembled church. That's the most relaxed feeling I saw some on earth. people doing that while you were preaching on Sunday. <laughs> no, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> uh, she says, I can't assemble because i got to go to this sporting event. She says addiction to habits that don't put God first should be put away. I can't assemble because I don't like the study material. Well, maybe you can help in in the teaching process to make it better. I can't assemble with the saints because men and women uh, meet together in one class. I prefer a women's only class. Again, I just can't understand those kind of excuses. Uh, several more here, and we just don't have time to get to them all. Carolyn, I'm sorry. You've made a good, uh, put in several good ideas here. Uh, for instance, she says, I can't visit the sick because I don't like hospitals. Well, you may have to be in one one time. You may need somebody to visit. But uh, lots of excuses there for, that Carolyn offers. I'm sorry we didn't get to all of her email. All right. 877-381-4567 is the number you can call anytime throughout the week to find out more information about us, or you can send us an email to questions at collegeu.com. If you listen to this in the recording and you want to make comments, you have questions about what we said, use that number or that email address, and uh, we'll... And this week, Jacob, we encourage people to send in questions. We're going to have sort of an open forum session next week, so any question is fair game. Send in questions, and we'll try to deal with them next week during our open forum program all right thank you for your participation on the program tonight sorry carolyn again that we couldn't get to all of your good comments Uh, we appreciate you joining in on the discussion tonight we appreciate you all for listening and we hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the virtual bible study and in the meantime we encourage you to put god first in your life study his inspired word the bible and live by it every day you'll never regret it Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.